And interestingly, the number one specialty and significantly higher than the baseline was psychiatrists. If you look back through the archives of the Christmas BMJ, the internecine takes on specialty make up a pretty big chunk of it. Orthopods come in for some particularly hot takes, strong as an ox and maybe almost twice as clever. And this year we didn't want to disappoint you, so we're going to be looking at the driving habits of the different medical specialties. I'm Duncan Jarvis, Multimedia Editor for the BMJ, and in this podcast, I'm joined by Andre Zimmerman, who's an internist and soon-to-be cardiologist in Brazil, but who did this research while at Harvard. Andre, thank you very much for coming onto the podcast and talking to us. Thank you for inviting me, Duncan. Um, so, yeah, as I said, you know, the takes on specialties are always uh, a thing that happens uh, every Christmas and you know, maybe throughout the year as well. Um, and you've decided to look specifically at driving behavior. What made you pick that? What made you think that there might be something there? Well, initially it was more because of the fun aspect of it, really. In Bapu's group, he really stimulates us to think outside the box and we have some idea meetings in which the goal is basically to generate ideas to see things differently and try to get ideas that no one else has thought about and we thought this would be a really interesting idea no one else had thought about initially with the goal of doing something fun that we ourselves would like to read but also with this perception that it could have a deeper meaning of different physician personalities in different specialties. So the other thing that you did in here was look at a data set that was entirely unmedical, obviously. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you have some data from the police in Florida. How did you decide on, on that as being your kind of your primary data set to look at this up? Well, it was pretty much because it was available. It's pretty rare to have these data available. So once we saw that we had the availability of speeding tickets in Florida and also had the availability of another data set of physicians in America, then we had this idea to combine both and look into these physician driving behaviors in Florida. This is not an uncommon approach. In Bapu's group, he has done some other works like this. And it's pretty common in economics research to combine data sets to have different insights about something. It's just not that common in the medical world, but it's something we're trying to bring on because it's, it's a pretty interesting approach to some common problems. Mm, definitely. And is there anything about Florida's setup that, that makes this, you know, are they particularly transparent about this kind of data? Yeah, Florida has lots of open data. It's not the only state, but it's one of the top states with the most open access data available. And in this case, there was nothing specific about Florida that we chose. It was basically because there was where this data, these data were available. If these data were available throughout the U.S., we would have used data throughout the U.S. 
Great, thank you. So, uh, all the data, all of these data that you have been mentioning are available in the paper for people to have a look at. Um, but I suppose the headline results are that uh, traffic police should look out for psychiatrists, perhaps, <laughs> and that cardiologists like you have the fanciest cars. Um, so can you take us through what you found? Yeah, well, I'm assumed to be cardiologist, so I don't have a fancy car yet, when hopefully someday. What, <laughs> <laughs> what we found, okay, so there were two major findings, as you said. The first and most consistent one was that there was a huge difference in luxury car ownership between medical specialties. Cardiologists had the most luxury cars, while family physicians had the least luxury cars, and that was almost half of those cardiologists. Important to say that this is among speeding tickets only. So we have no insight to check luxury cars in the whole medical population. But we assume that this distribution in luxury cars among physicians who got a ticket should be similar to luxury cars in physicians overall. So we see that cardiologists have more luxury cars, while family physicians, emergency physicians, pediatricians have less luxury cars, which match pretty much how much they earn on average in Florida, mm. but not exactly. The other very interesting finding, as you said, was regarding the speed. And so we created this concept of extreme speeding as 20 miles per hour above the speed limit. And we tried to assess which specialties were associated with driving with extreme speed. And interestingly, the number one specialty and significantly higher than the baseline was psychiatrists. And that was unexpected because we have the stereotype, at least, that psychiatrists are going to be calm people. And at least I was not expecting that they would be the ones with the most extreme speeding, but that's what we found. Mm. And it's not often you have a psychiatric emergency that requires you to uh, to zoom into a hospital very quickly as well. So yes, yeah. yes, that's that's a possibility, but I I yeah. wouldn't expect that to be different than obstetricians, for instance. Hmm. Now, um, I mean that's interesting because in the UK, that you know, going twenty miles above the 20 miles an hour above the speed limit um, is the kind of thing that might end up with you being a driving ban, you know, having a driving ban. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you end up in court with that. So uh, I suppose what's interesting here is is context. And this took place in, in Florida. Uh, is there anything, you know, about Floridian driving that, um, that we need to think about when we, uh, when we look at this? I'm not sure in what way Floridian driving would be different than in other places, but I might not, I might just not be aware. Uh, I've been to Florida. There was nothing remarkable about their driving that I have noticed. Maybe the listeners know something that I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one for a, a rapid response if you, if you do know. And then I suppose yes. as well, when you look at, um, 
income. Uh, you know, you think Florida is uh, is a land of, of lots of people who are retiring, so it kind of makes sense that maybe cardiologists have uh, have higher income there than uh, obstetricians might. Mm-hmm. Great. And then you also had another takeaway from this, uh, which listeners might find interesting, which is that, you know, if you are stopped for speeding, uh, pleading the case that you're a doctor doesn't actually help you get off a ticket. Yeah, so what we did here, there's one way that officers can kind of help the person they're ticketing, which is what we call speed discounting. In Florida, the fines for speeding are steeply higher once you reach 10 miles per hour over the, over the speed limit. So one way the officer can help you is that if you were driving 10, 11, or 12, or even above, miles per hour above the limit, they can discount you and register that you were driving only 9 miles per hour above the limit so that you don't have to pay this really high fine. So in this way, this is a window so that we can study these kinds of perceptions by police officers towards physicians. For instance, if we see that speed discounting is higher for a certain specialty compared to others, we could think or realize that the officers have some bias towards a certain specialty. This has been used to describe bias against against certain races or even male gender in other publications. Well, there you go. That's uh, a lesson for everyone at Christmas time. Um, <laughs> now, all through this, Audrey, you've been talking about the way in which this research kind of came about and the the creative thinking that's gone on behind it. And so, uh, you know, you mentioned those research meetings. I just wondered, how do they go? What's that kind of brainstorming session like? So, Bapu held this these ideas meetings which are meetings three to five times a week and the goal is basically to throw ideas to brainstorm ideas to share ideas and try to get a common conclusion to try to reach a certain very good idea that we can all work on but i think what's most interesting about these research meetings is not the ideas that we generate during the meeting, but especially the awareness of everything that's going on around you so that you're in a constant state of looking for stuff and being curious. And then ideas appear to pop in. So I'd like to say that the most important thing of these idea meetings are not the meetings, but the time between one meeting and the other, in which everyone in the group in the group is just thinking about this, trying to get ideas, coming up with stuff, so that you can show in the next meeting. And that's a concept he got from his economics PhD, and he brought it into medicine, and it's what appears to be the major reason that him and his group have so many creative ideas. And it's something I definitely want to keep on doing in my research. 
and I think more people should be doing in the medical field. Mm. Now, when it comes to that kind of thing, and you know, we are seeing increasingly sort of big data or the joining up of these data sets and research, people are worried about, you know, quality of data. So I just wonder when you are sitting down in these meetings and thinking about this, what kind of external data sets are you looking at? Do you have any rules of thumb for how you decide what to to use? We have no rule of thumb. We basically try to assess what data are available and what interesting questions we can get from them. So in this case, we use the speeding data set. In another study we were doing, we used a data set regarding emergency visits by by males aged 50 to 65 approximately after the Ashley Madison huge data breach, which was a really stressful event for Mm. millions of males. So we wanted to see if this increased heart attacks in this population. So we use a completely different data set. Uh, BAPU has used data sets regarding ambulance times during major marathons, for instance. So we have no rule regarding the data set. It's basically trying to come up with an interesting idea and having the possibility to answer it. One important thing you mentioned was that we're living in an era of big data. So we have an abundance of data. And with this, let's say, great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) What do I mean by this? Is that we cannot simply start looking at the data and trying to come up with different answers because then we can analyze 100 different things that make no sense. One of them is probably going to be positive and we have to have the responsibility not to publish anything using this kind of approach because it would likely be a false positive. So what we try to do is always come up with, with the questions first and then go look into the data and always try to publish this, or at least tell the results, regardless if they were what we were expecting or not. Mm, Absolutely. And uh, it is worth always re-emphasizing that uh, in the case of our Christmas research, it goes through exactly the same process of um, peer review and statistical review and everything as as all our other research papers do. So uh, you've done a good job in pulling that all together. Well, Andre, thank you very much for taking some time to talk to us on the podcast today. Duncan, thank you so much for having me. So that research paper, The Need for Speed, an observational study of physicians' driving behaviours, is now available for free on bmj.com, along with all of our other Christmas research. We'll be doing more research over the next coming week or so and uh, we'll be having some roundups of the year to take us through to January 2020. So keep an ear out for those. We're available on iTunes or Spotify or pretty much wherever else you get your podcasts from. I'm Duncan Jarvis. Thanks for listening.